Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason, and I'm originally from California, but I have been living in beautiful Wuhan, China for the last year and nine years in Beijing before that. Today with hey. me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Sure, I am from the very beautiful northeast part of China, and I am in Beijing, China today, talking to you with Jason. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. I still haven't been to Dongbei. You know that? Where you're talking about Shame you're from? On you, I Jason. have not been up there. I, I got to go to Harbin this next winter. You got you to go to all provinces. It's, it's very different. It's not just the scenery. It's, it's Ooh, the culture. It's Harbin, very, you're like, I'm not from Harbin. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you could, I've been to Harbin. I, I like it, okay? I don't have any bias against it. Uh-huh. But, you know, go to, go, to, <laughs> go, to my home, go to my hometown as well. Sure, sure, absolutely. I, one of the things my, uh, my wife and I want to do Mm-hmm. is to travel to all you know in the states people want to travel to all the all the states so we live we live in china we want to travel to all the provinces so that's really our goal for the next year or two is to go see everywhere you know you should do that you know? and you should make a show out of it jason well i'm sure we can make lots of different shows we'll be like hey everybody we're in Zhengzhou," and then we'll just like that'll be like one show yeah that's there's so much to explore from mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. culture and the food and everything so well you know what's uh this brings us right into our topic very nicely i wanted to talk a little bit about what tourists might want to know before they go mm-hmm. somewhere. So I found this article. It is uh, Yahoo by Amber Wainwright. And was I was born and raised in L.A. Here are 12 things I wish tourists knew before they visited. <laughs> so, you know, so a lot of this stuff is not relevant uh, for us, for everything we're going to be talking about. But I thought we could go down the list and then maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, places you've lived, New York. Yeah, I could tell we could talk about San Francisco, where I spent a lot of years or we could talk Talk about Beijing or just China in general. There's so many insider things that a lot of people who want to travel should know before they travel around the world. So commuter scooters, I like that, are a great way (laughs) for getting around without a car. So I actually didn't know this. I guess I have been living in China so long that I didn't know this was a big option in the States because you can do this in every everywhere in China. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. you can get bikes. Everyone knows you can get bikes. All the you know, everyone who knows anything about China knows that it's easy to check out a bike. But my (laughs) wife, she likes to check out the electronic scooters here in Wuhan. Yeah. So I'll be like, I'm bicycling because I need to lose weight. And she's like, I just want to ride this really cool thing with a battery. I'm going to I'm not going to pedal. She's like way ahead of me. Ha ha. Catch up, Jason. Going up hills and stuff. So I guess this is something. (laughs) That's how you lost the weight. (laughs) No, I wish uh, I have lost weight. It is not you know, I thought it was going to be like that. And I spent years bicycling my guts out and I didn't lose weight. And you know what? It really did come to just eating less. Anyways. Oh, well. So commuter scooters, I guess you have the, they have those in L.A. now. And if you want, it, it says all you need is a smartphone. So if you have your smartphone linked up to your bank account or something, you can mm-hmm. just uh, rent these scooters and get around L.A. Well, I'm going to I'm going to ask my friends in L.A. to scope it out for me. It's kind of hard for me to imagine people being on, on scooters because I'm thinking about the <laughs> 
scooters, <laughs> how people are, you know, super casual and they always look like they're having so much fun. For LA, it's everything in LA. When you tell me, I'm like, oh, it's going to be posh and fancy. And I don't know how it could be posh I actually, and fancy on a scooter. But, you know, that's me. When I think of LA, I think of crime and it's scary in my head. <laughs> so when I'm thinking about scooter, I feel I, I feel like a piece of sushi on a sushi boat floating by like someone who's just waiting for me to come by oh on, on a scooter. Look at him. There he is. Go oh get him. Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. Want to learn about world affairs in a more laid back and accessible manner? Join insiders, experts, and analysts in the casual setting of the chat lounge to hear their personal experiences and opinions on major events and hot issues. Subscribe to Chat Lounge for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Bridge. Next one, I find a lot of museums overpriced when there's street art all around. And I think that's really interesting. You know, mm. walking around just looking at street art, that sounds like really cool. You know, there's a, there are neighborhoods in Beijing like that. A lot of people think of Chijoba 798, but there's another yeah. neighborhood next to Pingua. And there is a lot of street art there. There are, uh, we walk around the city sometimes or we're just cabbing it to a friend's place. And we would just see random street art popping up mm. under mm. the bridge or on the wall. And of course, Chijoba, the 798. Art district is mm. the most famous, and they have uh, murals of really, really large scales. Mm. But I mean, I live in Beijing, but I still I see my friends going around Beijing. Those who are more artistically prone, they mm. somehow find all of these amazing places. You're like, we're not gonna see like uh, a graffiti arts or anything like that. That is the same to same with what you can see in LA or in New York, whatever. Mm. And then my friends would prove me wrong. They would go to these places that I don't even know exist, and they take pictures and they're like look I'm mm-hmm. like, wow. You know, what's really interesting about uh, Beijing, actually, is there is a lot more art than I think people are aware of. There's a place, I mean, maybe we've talked about it before. It's called the International Art Park. It's near Shijingshan. So I think uh-huh. uh, Shan Station or Shijingshan Station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get off there and there's a park and you can walk through the park. It, I think it doesn't cost anything to go to the park or if it does, it's like two RMB, which is like you know 25 mm-hmm. cents or something. And you mm-hmm. go in and like there are just hundreds of pieces of sculptures and like stuff that it's just amazing and it's not street yeah. art per se but like there are a lot of just installations that the city has set up around around so if you know the right neighborhoods like your friends do obviously there are just a ton of art all over beijing closer to where the airport is the northeast part of beijing the north northeast just always has amazing stuff mm. the northeast part of beijing has some of the personal uh collection parks i don't know what you would call mm-hmm. those places uh, these people either work for they either keep all of the installations or mm-hmm. art pieces for the arts academy or it's mm. their personal um collection my friend uh john and tina they were just um john rides motorcycle by the way mm. um they were just kind of riding around and they saw the park from the outside and they were like oh my god there's so many super modern you know avant-garde mm. and, and just cool uh the art pieces in a park-ish thing but it's not a park you know that it's not a park when you look at it because there's nothing around it and it's not you know there's no sign whatever so they found a way 
in. <laughs> it's not the entrance. <laughs> <laughs> they found a way in, and they send they they send us the pictures that they they saw all of these sculptures these uh just it's, it's it's so amazing and it's not like you know those standoffish kind of art pieces it's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. cool uh interesting art pieces and when they were just roaming around and they were being bold as well the owner came out and then um they got kind of busted and then the owner said well since you're here let me give you a tour <laughs> so he, he actually gave them a tour and let them just roam around there for as long as they wish and at the end he showed them the proper way of exiting the place please yes. leave here <laughs> yeah so there are a lot of places that we don't know in beijing because it's so big and people don't give it the right you know credits for having cool things like street arts and stuff but there are well you know what's really interesting about this the way that this is framed you know there are a lot of over Overpriced museums is that there are not a lot of overpriced museums. One of the monikers Beijing uses is Beijing City of Museums. So there are like hundreds of museums in Beijing. There are. I've actually. been to like dozens of them. That's what we. My wife and I are. We've I vlog and uh, mm. you can find me Shangguan J1 on all kinds of Chinese platforms. And one <laughs> of the things we did was Beijing City of Museums. We went to museum after museum after museum, making vlogs about each one. And mm. the thing about it is, like, if you go to San Francisco or Los Angeles and you go to like a place like MoMA. Yeah, you pay a lot to get in. If you go to a museum in Beijing, you're paying like 10 RMB to, or 20, like the high end. So that's like $3. Yeah, two, three <laughs> bucks to go to a museum. I mean, so even if you're not just into street art, which there's a ton of, like you could go to you know, five museum. Well, I don't think you could actually ta- get the time in to do five in, of be- Beijing's museums. You could go to like yeah. two or three museums a day, every day. And after a week or two, you'll have spent as much as one museum in Los Angeles. Yeah, I remember. And this is this is not just uh, L.A. I remember I think we're going to the was Smithsonian free It's one of the big museums. I haven't been to in- that one, no. Um, I mean, it was great, but still, we had a, we had a lie about us still being students, and <laughs> you and your friends are incre- increasingly sounding like a nefarious group of people. <laughs> hey, don't you think we deserve our own show? I think we should make our shows, mm. make our lives, uh, just you know, a reality show, and people would love to watch us. <laughs> Bunch of uh, you know, incapable <laughs> people, incapable of driving, just trying we to get sound around. Like they're capable of getting into museums. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a just lie about because I think if. If I remembered it correctly back then, you have to be a student of a local university or local mm-hmm. school to get the student discount. And I think after the student discount, it's about $30 or something. Mm-hmm. And so we had to just 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 make things up. <laughs> we, we don't go to we, we weren't going to school in D.C. We were you just got to get like Boston. a laminating machine and then like a you take. How does this work? Did you like to take your old cards out and then just flash them really fast? No, oh, our friend just used her charm to talk. <laughs> Yeah, we go to the local high school or whatever. Yeah, we just we just we just made up our major like our friend because one of our friends was going to school in D.C. And she was just mm. like, you're going to be poli sci. You're going to be whatever in your class of this and this. And mm. you just don't have your student card today. I'm like, OK, like let's I totally try forgot this. it at home. <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of pricey. I'm just mm. like I love I love I know the collections are amazing, but if you are in Beijing, you know, there are a lot of places you could take advantage of, which I haven't. Shame, you know, shame on me. I would say that. <laughs> the Capitol Museum and then these other big and small, there's a museum of railway. Um, and there's a museum of uh there's the museum of pretty much everything. There's a museum of the military, yeah. um uh, the military museum, which you know, is I've really, actually really been to that. I heard it's really cool, but when I was trying to go it was like temporarily closed down and it's like one of the subway stops is named after it 
So it's yes, this it's huge the, the museum. military museum uh, station on line one before you get to Shijingshan, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, there's just uh, there's so many there museum. There's a museum of kind of everything. And this then capital, recently, a lot of people confuse this one. There's the National Museum and the Capital Museum, and they're separate museums. The, 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 and ca- yes. Yeah, the like, Capital Museum is just Beijing's history for like from ancient to now. It's really it's, cool. It's really cool. we used to go there when we were in high school. The school would take us there, mm. and then the Science Museum too. Like the school take us to all of those uh museums and it's just so i just i just love those places oh, I can wish i, I didn't... complain about something I want to... there is a museum <laughs> yeah because i love museums and i love space those are the two uh-huh. things that i really love you mentioned science museum outside of the fifth ring somewhere i've only uh-huh. looked it up because it couldn't go there is a museum a space museum about like uh you know china's space program and stuff and i was like wow this is so cool this is exactly what i want to do and then i found out that foreigners can't go and I was like, oh, oh no. my, little, my little foreigner heart broke. And I was like, no, I want to go look at like, you know, models of the Long March 2. And I can't. Is it is it is it in the West or the East? I don't I, know. I actually don't know. I only I looked it up like three years ago. And then when I found out I couldn't go. I just stopped. I was like, oh, why? oh, I think that one is in the Beijing uh, uh, Aviation School of Aviation, right? I'm, oh I, no! It is its own separate museum. It's out. It's got its own physical structure with multiple buildings and stuff. It's like it's, okay. Thanks to super fast internet, oh, I yeah. have pulled it up. It is in the west side of Beijing, and oh wow, it is massive. Yeah, I don't ma- even know. It's a massive space museum. Yeah, I don't even know if I say this metrics that would make sense to our listeners in uh, <laughs> you know outside of China, our listeners in well, America, everywhere except America. <laughs> it covers seven hundred thousand square meters so that's what i bigger than my apartment <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than all of our listeners apartments uh area combined probably but yeah i would i would love to go it would i know that you know my friends would love to see this you know every city obviously likes to sell itself as having awesome museums we got here and there's a museum called wuhan museum i think that's the name of it it's next to the wuhan art gallery i think that's the name of that they're mm-hmm. next to each other, ne- next to Eastlake in um, Wuchang District. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went there and there apparently when uh, the Modi, the prime minister of India, came to mm-hmm. China, Xi Jinping, and he took a stroll through there. Yeah. And it's apparently one of the top two or three museums in all of China, mostly the history of this region of China. So it goes into like Cao Cao and like, you know, the three kingdoms and all yeah. kinds of stuff like that. And it's it's really interesting because I, I've actually learned a lot at that museum. So I, I guess we're way off point. The point is, if you <laughs> if you come to China, there's a, there are a ton of museums and they're super, super cheap. So if we're talking yeah. about what should you know if you're coming to China, uh, you know, as a tourist, there are a ton of museums of wherever, whatever city you go, a ton of art yes. galleries, and they are very affordable. I mean, it's a it's a it's a country of over five thousand years yeah, of yeah. history. There's got to be some places <laughs> to keep all of that history. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next one on the list for about for about LA mm-hmm. is LA is bigger than you might think. So plan you know, plan your days accordingly. I certainly found that was true. I visited there a few times. You know, like um, when you think of Beijing, it's very vertical, and you know there are a lot of really tall buildings. You think of mm-hmm. like New York, it's very vertical, and there are a lot of tall buildings. You think of Hong Kong, LA has one area in the middle where it's vertical. It's actually really tiny, a tiny downtown area. And then it's like three and four story buildings that go just for like dozens of miles in every direction. So like Mm. when you're going somewhere, 
it's not all in one place. It's spread out like a big pancake. Yeah, I look at the I looked at the map uh, before I went to you know the United States for the first time because in our in our geography classes in high school, mm-hmm. you look at one of the the units in the geography class is about city planning and of course bigger cities in the world, Paris, Los Angeles, uh, Beijing, and and Berlin. All of these cities are being used as examples. And I was just like, oh wow, it looks like <laughs> the core of the cell. You know what do you call that? I felt mm. like it, it, it exploded. <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a very small center uh, in the middle, and then it kind of just radiates out. Mm. Everything else is just radiates out. And then when I went there, I just felt like, because in our mind, we talk about Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. We think about the basketball teams and the, you know, Hollywood and mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And when, when I went there, because for the first couple, like first day or so before I went to see the famous Hollywood sign, um, or just driving around the, the city itself. And I was kind of used to associating like tall skyscrapers mm-hmm. and busy buildings on, you know, kind of busy streets. Yeah, yeah. I associate that image with the idea of a big city. But mm-hmm. when, when we were in Los Angeles, I was like, huh? Mm, it looks very empty. It's very <laughs> <laughs> like it's very wide like a open. Satellite dish. Yes, like very, yes, it's, like it's a huge very wide open dish. Satellite with one part in the middle that's very tall. It's very yeah. it's very unlike a lot of other cities. So I think what makes Los Angeles a large city is that they have delineated a large area of urbanization and called it a city because if you took the same area and put it in the bay area where san francisco is you would encompass Mm. you know like other cities you would have like all the cities around it like daly city and richmond and oakland and they would all be part of it and then the population of san francisco would or whatever you called that thing Mm. would be you know equivalent to that of la basically so i think what makes la like a huge city is that it's just the borders are really big i'm not trying to i'm not trying to diss la it's like you know obviously the best taco trucks in in the country. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's dissing (laughs) at all. I kind of, you know, I I like the idea. And I think that's what LA has in common with Beijing as well. When people talk about I'm from LA and if the other person is also from LA, they're like, Oh, which part of LA? And they yeah, yeah. they start identifying the neighborhood, and people have that kind of instant bonding if they are from the same neighborhood. It's mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of the same thing. I went to China Unicom to upgrade our internet service the other day, and then the lady because she saw my uh, ID card and it, it stated my address that which is the apartment that my parents have in Tongzhou, and then she's like, "Oh, uh, you're from Tongzhou?" So I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "I'm from Tongzhou," and then we found mm-hmm. out that mm-hmm. she lives above the building of my mom's uh, wow. um, workplace. Yeah, so it's like. Yeah, and then you instantly like, okay, I like you a lot better. And she helped me. <laughs> she, she, she just she helped me like kind of trick the China Mobile people because we need to bring my number from China Mobile into China China Unicom. And she's like, they will not release your number because you're just a user. let me let me do it. She called them and she pretended to be me and she used all of these wow. you know, tricks and talks and got it you know transferred on the day. And I was like, okay, Tongzhou people good. <laughs> Chongqing is a city and a province like Beijing is. Mm-hmm. But Chongqing is actually, as a province, is so big. It's like so you have a super massive populated area of the city and then it just yeah. goes on forever. And Chongqing is a vertical city. 
Yeah. In the, in the part that is vertical, like just like Beijing, when you get out, there's like the sixth between sixth and seventh ring. It just goes on forever. And there's like caves and stuff. And like yeah. And people mountains. talk about people talk about living in Chongqing and they're like, oh, you live on the first floor. And then the, your friend goes, yeah, I live on the first floor. And you're like, that's so funny. I live on the 20th floor. And <laughs> you guys are at the same height. You're like the same. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same altitude because built Very because hilly. it's so. Yeah, there are so many hills and they have to kind of do like the idea of being above or underground are just just blurred in Chongqing, you know, which this, is very fascinating for me. It's a little bit the same, not the, to the same degree in San Francisco. So in San Francisco, I was just thinking about that. I think a lot of people who haven't been there or, you know, they've seen it in movies because it's in a lot of movies yes. like um, Princess think, Diaries. They think <laughs> <laughs> out of every uh, movie about San Francisco, I picked that one. But like it's very um, hilly. And obviously everyone knows that, but like what people see video or pictures of it and they think that there's a large downtown, there's not really like there are some skyscrapers, right? That yeah. actually not as many or not as tall as people get the idea because the hills go up and down. There are a lot of like two, three and four story buildings everywhere and they're on hills and it goes up and down and it looks like a city. So you think you're looking at something like Boston or New York or whatever, but it's not the way that it appears because the hills make it look more metropolitan Mm -hmm. than it really is actually quick funny and it's not funny but it's a fun little fact that maybe may or may not be useful you know how you know the chinese name you you know how when we translate american cities it's usually by the sound of it right new york is new year Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. los angeles is Luoshanzi. uh but you know the chinese name for san francisco uh i forget is it jojinshan it's jojinshan it means old gold mountain mountain. because where's the new gold mountain alex that I don't know. Yeah, you know, in America, there's the famous idea of the of the 49ers, which were the teams mm. named after yeah. the 1849 gold rush, where it turned out there wasn't actually much gold. But a yeah. lot of people poured into California looking for yeah. gold and during that period of time. And so a lot of Chinese people went there thinking there was going to be gold there. And, and then they the, called it old. old. <laughs> I think they, at the time, what I heard was they called it the Gold Mountain. And then in Australia or somewhere else, they were like, oh, this is the new Gold Mountain. And they changed the name to or they to started old to gold old mountain. gold mountain and new gold mountain yeah because i do think some people i think from um uh, some of the chinese communities living in san francisco they call mm-hmm. it sanfan because it's like well in cantonese it's sanfan sir so yeah yeah so that's the the sound but for yeah. some reason in in china it's still san francisco still mm-hmm. called Jingshan. so that's i think that's one of the only if not the only one uh city mm-hmm. that has his name translated into chinese with a meaning or an old name not just the sound you know a lot of people in china actually know about because there are so many chinese people that live there it has like a positive kind of reputation in china because of the association of so many families and stuff Mm. and so people say where are you from and i say jojinshan and people automatically nicer to me and i'm like ha ha (laughs) what little do they know i'm born in modesto and then moved to san francisco later (laughs) (laughs) now yeah just thought that we should share that little little fact with Mm. our listeners no gold there (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> no gold, no gold. The you're spend, no- you're going to be spending a lot of gold, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the most expensive places on the planet oh, for us, for a town its size. It's, Oof, it's, it's insane. It's very strange. Next thing it says, and I think this will be interesting to talk about other cities in relation to it. It says W E H O. For West Hollywood. And I guess that's Weho. You I say Weho. Weho. 
And apparently this is the cool place to go at night and hang mm. out. Uh, so this is interesting. I, I didn't know that. And, you know, next time I'm in L.A., I will go to West Hollywood, I guess. Yeah. But I was thinking we could talk about some other cities that we know about. So you lived in New York. Where is the cool place to go in New York at night? Um, Lower Manhattan in general. And if you're looking for kind of chill, bar- like the entire Lower Manhattan is filled with kind of these cool, cozy, mm. famous spots as well. And there are a lot of speakeasies um, in that area. So overall, like East Village is something that people really talk about a lot. If you go to New York, people who live in New York would say, oh, let's go to East, East Village because they have East Village just has places that you could go to from the moment you wake up until... The moment you don't want to go to sleep, you know, <laughs> and then recent years, uh, Williamsburg became really popular. I am not a huge fan of Williamsburg. It's mm. I just feel like it's so gentrified and mm. things are so overly priced. Like Williamsburg feels like a little Shanghai in the the big New York of Beijing, if you know, mm. if it makes mm. sense. I feel like if you don't dress up, if you're not looking like really uh, stylish and if you're not really, really mm. lo- not looking mm. really artistic, it's kind of like you feel like you're out of place when you go to Williamsburg. So but there are a lot of establishments that are really popular in Williamsburg that people are willing to pay for. You basically told all of our friends with a three piece suit and a monocle where to go. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If you if that's your style, go to Williamsburg. Don't even bother. Go to the rest of New York. Just <laughs> just go straight to Williamsburg and you will just felt you, you will fit right in. No question asked. I was just thinking about this the other day. My friend uh, came from Ottawa who was getting his Ph.D. He teaches philosophy there mm-hmm. and he was he was like, OK, show me the town. And I was like, yeah, no problem. And I, I, that was an arrogant thing for me to say because I was a total nerd and I just lived in the library, right? I was like uh-huh. underground, three floors under the ground in a library Aww. with dusty books that no one had read in 20 years. Like that was my life. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to show my friend around San Francisco. I know where to go. <laughs> so, I mean, th- that changed later. So I want to kind of end on that. So I was like, cool. Hey, how's it going? I brought him to this bar. I didn't, I've never been there before. I would just was like, okay. Okay, let's go into this bar. And we went into this bar and it was like crazy bougie with laser beams and stuff. Yeah. And we couldn't get the, the attention of the bartender because they could tell our clothes didn't match you know, <laughs> the, the environment. And so we paid sad. like, I don't know, $25 for some drink. And we sat there and he was I couldn't tell if he was happy or not, but we were not having yeah. fun. And any, anyways, so that was his trip to San Francisco one year. I actually met some people who were normal people and they ended up showing me like oh okay people hang out in the mission and like here are the bars oh my that god here are i the hear bars people that, talk about yeah. that place so much yeah so they were like they showed me the cool bars that actually are like places you want to go and people talk to each other and like are they normal <laughs> and then my my friend Devin came back the next time and he's like no 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 jason i'm bringing you out this time and then he ended up bringing me to where i was gonna show him but he didn't trust me based on the first experience oh, to no. choose the appropriate establishment but he brought he ended up bringing me to where i had like friends and it was like okay yeah see i i know now i knew i know this was the place to I, go i know now it's you know yeah. I, I just been in a library <laughs> I, you know what funny that you say library because you could be going to a really cool spot even if you go to a library and those are the speakeasy places that i love so much in in new york and mm. I didn't think that I would have this back in Beijing, but I was wrong. I was proven wrong by my uh, friends from uh, Germany, and they showed me to a speakeasy spot that's literally just right across the street from where I used to live. And I was there for over a year, and I didn't know it existed. Mm, So tell us about it. Like, is there a secret way in? 
So the front is a tea shop. It mm. looks like a legit high end tea shop. But if you go in there at night, oh look, I didn't. I did try to open a couple of the tents that are on the shelf to see if there was actually tea inside when I went there. But if you look at it during the day, it's just a tea shop. I mm. don't know if they actually sell tea during the day. I've never paid attention. But when we went that night. After you go in on the right side, it's a small establishment. It's a small room as the, fr- the 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 storefront. On the right side, there's a little bell thing that just looks like you know any bell that any food and beverage place would would have for whatever reason. And you have to tap on the bell three <laughs> times wow. continuously, and no one's going to come and answer the door because if you don't tap it three times, the doors just don't open. Mm. But if you tap it correctly, the doors open. You go inside. It's a very nice, very nice nice cocktail bar mm. and, and I, I didn't know that place was there and then the funny thing is a lot of people didn't know that because there's a bar right next door the doors are even connected with this place but it goes into two different spaces as long as we're going insider knowledge about cities uh you know like in san francisco a lot of people will pay really big ticket prices to go see, I don't know, whoever's popular. And they will go to like huge venues in downtown. But you can mm. see a lot of famous musicians in smaller shops in the Haight-Ashbury district where they're not actually venues for like music. So they'll just be like CD stores and bookshops. And if you just randomly walk into them, they're like, you know, Radiohead's just playing and stuff. Like they'll mm. just go there to hang out stuff. So yeah. that's one thing people should know. Haight-Ashbury uh, has a lot of like, private kind of venues you can just walk in or pay like a really cheap fee like five dollars but i want to actually your speakeasy story kind of reminds me of modernista so ah you remember modernista oh yeah if i go back i'll I'll go there again so you walk in and there's a small cocktail wine kind of bar it's very very quiet people are just very low key yeah chilling and then in the back there's a staircase you go up the staircase and then through a couple doors and then down the staircase (laughs) you find a two two-story bar with live music yes i have been there for so many different things it's it's kind of this hidden. is beijing if i hadn't already mentioned <laughs> yeah this should be if you've been listening to our show kind of you know consistently you would be able to tell if something gets alex really excited that's probably <laughs> it's probably beijing or Dombe. um but it's uh it's a bar that's hidden in the hutongs like mm. the entrance is very like if you don't know because i don't think it's hard my to find yeah vague memory yeah it doesn't have a, a, a the bright flashy sign saying modernista but it's just there and if you go inside like jason said hey, just a small bar narrow long uh not a lot of people usually there's like three four people sitting there and you have to go in and every time you reach a door you feel like you've got to the end of this place and you just keep opening doors until you get to the inside part and it's a two-story structure so it has the 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 first floor it's a little small stage with booth seats around it a bar and a dance floor and then there's the balcony seats on the on the second floor and you have to go through the balcony seats down to the first floor to get to the dance floor and i've i've done salsa parties there I, my friend's band have performed there um there is a thing called um this festival that my friends organize um it's called the black expo is to celebrate a uh, black owned business and mm-hmm. culture in beijing and they did their fair in there and there are other like city fairs that happen in there as well and then they do like weekly drawing nights and then they teach all kinds of stuff like people teach different kinds of you know social dances and they're such a, a compact but like diverse place for all kinds of events it's amazing oh yeah 
wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you there. You're listening to The Bridge. imagine anyone going to LA is going to McDonald's. I'm a little confused by this, but like, obviously <laughs> if you're in Los Angeles, go to taco trucks, like food trucks are everywhere. They're super popular. This is for a Californian. This is really well known. So for people from other parts of the United States going to Los Angeles, you should yeah, know. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, like go to the food trucks, like not just the taco trucks that sell like Mexican food or like a Mexican American food, Tex-Mex, whatever, but like they're just food trucks for everything. So like. I just have one thing that I want to clarify when we say we ditch the fast food chain. Does that include in and out it can't include in and out Oh, In-N-Out if you're is- in Los Angeles, you got it. It's not, no, no, no in and out I love in and out Okay, don't get me wrong. If I come back to the United, if I go back to the United States for a visit, I will eat in and out and Taco Bell while I'm there. But <laughs> if you go to like Los Angeles to visit Los Angeles, don't eat in and out Come on, you gotta go. There's really? So, I, like, did there are first I did rate, that. I did that. Like Michelin star trucks that sell food. Michelin okay. star trucks. I didn't know. I didn't know about that part. If I did, I probably would have tried, but I was still, but the, cause the thing is sometimes like at, you know, midnight or, or early in the morning, <laughs> you just want to go for a burger. That's good. Yeah. And that's, and in and out is where you go. It's kind of like the how you go to open at 1am. See, I, I wish I had known this. I wish I had known you back then. Cause I didn't go to, <laughs> I don't think I went to any famous food truck. And when I was in, when I was visiting, uh, I also want to do the thing, the thing for uh, the same thing for San Francisco. A lot of people go to like a uh, pier 39 mm. in san francisco in the hopes of getting like a uh clow a chowder clam bowl right like a yeah clam chowder yeah, exactly yeah but like people go out on the main pier pier 39 and walk down where they have all the fancy shops and then they find these three or four restaurants which are really really good the thing is the same exact food is around the corner for like for much cheaper yeah for like 10 20 30 percent of the cost yeah. so like don't go into those big restaurants where they sit you down and treat you like all bougie for like <laughs> you're middle class suddenly paying way more than you should actually leave pier 39 a little bit and walk northwest like i don't know 40 meters and there's another pier next to it that serves where the locals go that's actually slightly better that's like <laughs> slightly better yeah it's actually better and it's like 25 percent of the cost and that's where everyone goes oh wow for the, yeah that's where everyone goes and that i mean it's not you're sitting outside like at you know a plastic table but the food is amazing and that's where people go i will i will say this that when we went to uh la i mean i, I think i went to la maybe three times three four times the memory is a little blurry the time that i remember the best was 2015 when i went to attend the uh, online news association conference and we were supposed to, of course, we did the brunch thing. You know, we did the breakfast burrito mm. in in WeHo. Actually, we live, we stayed in WeHo. Uh, we did the, the name. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know. I wonder what East Hollywood would be called. Yeah, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and we did all of that little touristy stuff. But the thing that I looked forward the most to and that I had the most fun out of was when we went to, <laughs> this is so funny. We went to, there's a major Dongpo in, oh, yeah? in, in downtown LA. Wow. We went I there. I want to go so bad now. We went there and we had the food and I, I swear that there was a drop of tear <laughs> rolling down my face. <laughs> <laughs> it I was love Major so Dumbo. good. It was right. And then it was 20, I think it was 2015. It was before wow. I started exploring flushing and really stuff. Really quick for our American listeners, this is a famous Chinese <laughs> brand restaurant that they're all over Beijing. At least I haven't seen one here, but they're probably here too. And it is yeah. delicious, authentic Chinese food. So you're saying this is one of these in, in LA. Yeah. They, wow. this is, this was before I knew like flushing, I explored flushing in New York, but flushing is like very, busy you know but this uh major dongpo was in a mall and we sat on a it's a big patio so we sat outside and we had like spicy you know spicy oil spilled beef and mm. like all of these famous dishes it just make me miss home so much and that's the thing that's like a Outside of In and Out, all I remember food wise from LA. You really cried here or just had a metaphoric tear? Um, I probably actually did from the spicy, from the, <laughs> you know how spicy it was, but it was, oh God, I was so, it was so, it made me, that's like mm. at the moment, that was soul food for me. Mm. Yeah, you know what? It was really interesting. I was in university and I knew a, a few Chinese folks and they were, I was like, oh, let me bring you a Chinese food restaurant. I brought them to some place that, you know, is not. <laughs> it was a, Amer- it was a really, really, really good. American Chinese food lately. Yeah. Like, you don't know what Chinese food is, Jason. Like, so they brought me to some tiny restaurant one time and I was like, what is this? And when I tried it for the first time, it was a lot of like the same kind of dishes that you actually get in mainland China. I was like, this is so confusing. Is, is this Chinese food? I've never seen anything like this before. I know. I mean, and people are like, till today, my friends would, um, if they don't live with Chinese roommates or they don't live with Chinese people in general, and they would eat out. And when they see me cook or when we have like cooking parties together, I would serve a dish. They would taste and they would say, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And then they would tell me, they would ask, did you use the bronze sauce? did you the brown sauce did you use the dark sauce sauce i was like i don't uh i don't know i don't know what sauce you're talking about we don't that's not how we measure our seasoning it's not the you know it's there's not a set like recipe for a brown sauce or a red sauce or a dark sauce or a white sauce there's just not because that's how chinese dishes are called in chinese american restaurants you know i was gonna i wanted to talk about this actually this very thing flipping it over and telling people inside information about where to go to eat in China. But the only advice I could actually think of for foreigners, because it's it's confusing coming to China, not being able to speak Chinese or read Chinese, is mm. have a Chinese friend bring you to eat <laughs> dinner because you're not going to be able to find like a place that's not just some westernized place or you're going to be have so many options you're just going to be randomly going into places not knowing what to go. You need to yeah. find you need to find a local friend and have them bring you around because and you need to go to more than one restaurant. You need to like try out a lot because there's so many varieties of Chinese food. You can't just eat two or three and say, "Okay, I know what Chinese food is like" because there's no one or two or three or four different kinds. Of, there's like 10 different kinds of varieties which all have their own several dozens of dishes of Chinese food. So it's 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 a whole process learning about it. 
Absolutely. And then if you're going to stay in China, I mean, of course, if you stay in city like Beijing and Shanghai, you get, you know, these restaurants of, of different um, local cuisines uh, from different parts of China. But because of the limitation of ingredients, you still don't get everything in yeah, one city. Yeah. So when you do travel, like when I traveled to uh, Nanning last year, man, let me tell you, my mind was just completely blown. I was so taken away by the difference in the, 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 you know, the, the palates, the tasting palates. Like it's so, it's something that I didn't know could work together, mm. you know, like sour and savory. I was like, Oh, that's why I was like, wow, I didn't even see like half of what China has to offer. Probably not even half, like 10% of what China has to offer. So when you travel around China, Jason, like Mm. make sure you taste the food in every different city that you go to. It's probably going to surprise you. This one is for LA and this makes sense. Sunscreen is a must (laughs) almost any time of year. Now, obviously that is true of Los Angeles. It's not as true of San Francisco unless you're just like easily burned because San Francisco is like spring pretty much all the time. What about uh, New York, Boston? New York, Boston. It's I think it's both of these cities are especially for New York because it's such a city city. It's it has a lot of buildings. So when you're outside, I felt like first off, you're not outside for a long time. Like you will be on the train. You be kind of walking by the building and whatever but of course you don't have to wear from a, a pers- from the perspective of skincare you should wear sunscreen year all year round even if it's overcast or it's it's cold the it doesn't change the fact that the ultraviolet ray is going to you know attack your skin <laughs> speaking like a true professional expert of skincare hmm. but um I mean, I didn't feel the need to always wear sunscreen when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel the need now in Beijing, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, Beijing it, is oh interesting because it gets so dry in the winter. Like that's, I would say the summer is super humid and hot and like a lot of cities in China. What's yeah. really interesting about Beijing for me is that the winter is insanely dry. I, I sometimes wake up with like blood in my nose. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's too dry. You have to have a, like a humidifier and drink a lot of water every day and make sure that you're, because it's not just the, the air, it's also the wind kind of taking away anything, any moisture that's left in the air and it goes on your skin and it takes some moisture from your skin as well so i personally am not a huge fan of sunscreen because i have read that most of the brands have kind of like um toxic chemicals that are like carcinogenic mm. and stuff but you know if you are and but i don't actually burn very easily i get my, oh, my I skin do. bronzes so <laughs> oh like, i'm jealous what i mean if i was to all go, go from library straight into like <laughs> a full sunny day then like for like the entire day maybe i would burn but like that's only yeah. happened once or twice in my entire life what i would say is go local and start carrying you know an umbrella that's what a lot of people in shanghai and wuhan lots of ladies walk yeah. around with like their sun umbrella you know if that yeah if you are worried about your skin just do that because it blocks the it, it blocks the ultraviolet ray and you don't have <laughs> carcinogens on your skin that ages your skin but i this is my lesson uh the lesson i learned when i was in la when um i went to visit with this group we went to uh, Universal Studio and we were overly excited about everything that was going on in there. And we we're going to go on this ride. I don't remember which ride it was, but we were 
in line for three and a half hours. And I was so excited, overly enthusiastic about everything that was going on around me. I didn't pay attention to my skin. I didn't pay attention to my own sensories. It was burning my skin, but I had, I felt nothing because they have these little, you know, mist spraying machines closer mm. to when you get closer to the ride and they, they spray you with those like, you know, nice little mists sprays. Mm. And I was like, oh, that feels good. After we left Universal that day, when the sun went down, I was like, hey, my shoulder, my shoulders feel weird. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, I was like, I just, it looks like two pieces of cooked meat on my shoulders. <laughs> and for the next two weeks, oh. I was peeling. Oh my God. It was so, it was so painful. I did, every time I, I was getting in a shower, it just stings. Yeah. Like in- On that point, I was thinking recently, who sits in the sun with like a reflective thing and tries to bronze themselves? Who are these people? What are they doing? I, do they understand what this is doing to their skin? I don't, okay. I never understood that. That's why you have to wear the sunscreen. Oh, I, feel, I sound like a salesperson. That's why you have to wear the sunscreen that is made specifically for bronzing your skin because it takes in the light that is going to help your skin produce melatonin mm. but they then at the at the same time it protects your skin from being hurt i mean you i'm sure you heard of like hugh jackman having that little cancer thing taken out of his nose mm. from not wearing sunscreen at all um and so those those bronzers, they have that whatever element that prevents your skin mm. being hurt by being in the sun. It sounds like very bougie creams. Because like <laughs> if I just go by like some stuff that says it's going to block stuff, I feel like I'm putting cancer on my face. I'm like, just smear some cancer all over my face now. Oh, that's, it's funny because a lot of people, I mean, some people are doing it just because they think it looks nice. Right? That's what the media is telling them that that's pretty. But a lot mm. of people are like, we're, we want to, you know, safely bronze ourselves a little bit because that actually helps from um helps us stay a further stay a little bit further away from the possibility of skin cancer mm. so, so you get the melatonin so that when you're inadvertently getting sun it protects you yes the melatonin uh, helps i never even heard of that that's actually a new thing for me <laughs> moving along yes. um make sure to read really read the street parking signs the same everywhere in california if you're in california if you're in san francisco if you're anywhere in california los angeles and you don't read the street signs you're gonna have big tickets really fast so yeah that's important i would say you're in you're come to china Uh this is not an issue because you're probably not going to have a car so (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna so probably that, be, caught me, that caught me off guard right? you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> be taking dd you're gonna be taking the subway yes, so if you're coming yeah if you're visiting here it's not very likely that you'll be driving around yeah <laughs> uh, good thinking um i was thinking how how kind of easy it is like most of the time if you see the the parking spaces the parking spots drawn out on the mm. ground it's a charging spot like mm. you know you'll probably have to pay and then if you look for the little you know someone wearing the little vest on a little scooter kind of you know patrolling Mm. around this 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 block then that person is the person to go um and ask for like a little piece of paper and pay Mm. for your parking otherwise every other parking lot it has um a gate you know the 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 stick that goes up and down whatever you call that Mm. i was reading this and i was just like when i was in boston um and new york for that matter it was for someone who's not a native speaker it was Mm. almost humanly impossible to understand what those signs are saying (laughs) i i I can't i tried and it's like because it's like monday wednesday thursday 
this time to this time, um, street cleaning. And then there's another sign next to it. I said, these times something, it's like always like three or four signs together. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, how do you, how do you get the results you want, which tells you how to park here from all of those signs together? I was mm. like, it's, I'm glad I'm not driving because I will be fine until I am broke. It's frustrating. The same thing, you know, all over California, like Sacramento, the same issue, especially this place called Old Sac. They're just sign and sign and sign and sign. It's very confusing. And one of the things about San Francisco, you firstly, you have to be very good at parallel parking because you're parallel parking at an angle, you know, because it's a, you're on a hill. And there's a <laughs> sign and you're not sure exactly where the sign starts. Is it like where the sign is in the ground or is it a meter away? And like so there'll be a different sign a few meters away. So like the parking attendant has a lot of leeway to just be like well you're two inches too far this yeah. direction like we got you like so if you go to san francisco with the car firstly you better be really good at parallel parking <laughs> and then secondly um and i mean an expert you have to yeah. be in the top two or three percent of the country of america in order to parallel park in san francisco <laughs> so just, park in san francisco. just to park and if you can then you need to be re oh, just God. follow whichever sign is the most vicious because they're gonna get, <laughs> they're gonna get you what i would say if you're going to San Francisco, don't bring your car. Park yeah. your car in a different town outside of outside of the city somewhere where you can just park it as long as you want or whatever. And then just take the BART, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, into mm. the city and don't have a car. Because you're just going to constantly be going, having to move your car and move your car and move your... And it's just going to ruin your trip. I'm imagining San Francisco is probably the only city in America where if you got rear-ended, the second car doesn't always fall hold full responsibility for the accident because <laughs> what if it's just a driver who's very bad at parallel parking and <laughs> the car just slipped onto mine and hit my car in the in the in the in the front it is just don't don't bring a car there just, yeah, don't <laughs> that solves all problems don't. okay so the next thing is and uh be prepared for los angeles be prepared to pay more for drinks i think that's the opposite you're coming you're an american and you're going to beijing shanghai wherever uh, mm. except some restaurants some cocktail bars in shanghai most of the places you go it's going to be so much cheaper you're going to be shocked yeah um i'm looking at this and it's saying that you know most places will charge about 12 dollars to 17 dollars for 17 dollars wow. for a cocktail so that's what so like that's over 120 kwai for a cocktail mm. actually in beijing nowadays like if you go to those fancier not fancier it's cooler little you know more hip mm. spots for cocktails the price could go up to 100 mm. excuse me the price could go up to 100 as well mm. but the different thing is when you're in the u.s and <laughs> we've talked about this before when you're, when you're in the u.s you have to tip so oh yeah, that, yeah yeah that brings if you drink more then you tip more and that brings up the the price of the drink so much higher mm. than what you do here and then honestly the drinks maybe because i was a grad student in the states and i didn't explore places that are more sophisticated but I don't remember drinking cocktails that make me go, oh, my God, this mixologist is really talented. <laughs> but I've I've been to so many places here. Like there is another tiny spot uh, mm -hmm. behind our apartment building that we lived in for like over a year and that we didn't know that existed. It's called uh, Milk and Chocolate. And they won a whole bun bunch of Black Pearl. Which city are we talking about? Sorry, we're talking about Beijing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the reminder. When people are going to get mixed up and they're going to all get all jumbled up in this like city comparisons. But this is Beijing and there's a tiny little bar called uh, Milk and Chocolate and they won a whole bunch of Black Pearl awards. That's mm. like the highest honor for 
for food and beverage uh, businesses. And they do, they do these insanely amazing cocktails with ingredients that are least expected. And then the tastes or just when you guys come to Beijing, when you mm. come back to Beijing, we'll definitely have to go there. It's so good. And that price, the price for the cocktails there are like about 90 kwai, 100 kwai. Mm. But you don't, you know, you don't have to tip. You pay however much yeah. you drink. When you come to China, there's not tipping pretty much for almost anything unless you really want to like you can choose to tip but no one does yeah if you if you if you really want to if you're in a foreign establishment where the waiters are foreign if you really really insisted maybe they'll be okay with it but like 99.9999 percent of the time if you took if you give them more money than you should people are just gonna get really confused Mm -hmm. (laughs) whoa why why are you giving me this what's this for yeah this is the wrong (laughs) amount of money don't pay this no they will they will they won't get that you're trying to because they're they're we we talked about this in in greater details in another episode like people get waiters get paid an actually like wage that they could live with they don't have well, to survive on tips i just want to go back a second you know you're you're right there are definitely a, a places we can go to pay a, a lot more for cocktails however like if you say if you're in most no that's not even right if you're in most bars actually in beijing uh, or china shanghai most beers are only going to cost you like 10 rmb or something so but if you oh if you, oh yeah absolutely but if, but if you're in a nice bar it'll be like 50 rmb 55 rmb for a really nice quality beer yeah. which is like i i don't know it's like eight bucks seven bucks seven uh, yeah about about eight dollars but those are not just the you know the packaged uh beer it's like it's not Budweiser or yeah, Coke yeah, yeah. or whatever. Those are the microbreweries yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in Beijing, like really locally brewed, uh, really fun and nice beer. And there is actually beer festivals going on in Beijing. I think it's like twice a year or something. It's uh, it's uh, the, the microbrewery culture has really, really blossomed here. You're right. There are tons of microbreweries. <laughs> I think that's the big tip difference between Shanghai and Beijing is Beijing has way more microbreweries and Shanghai's more people like co- cocktails. Oh, yeah. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. You're listening to The Bridge. Last thing is, if you're talking about Los Angeles or San Francisco or New York, or you're talking about the potential that late at night, you may not be safe. And I, mm. that's, that's one thing I want to bring up as an insider piece of information about China. Uh, and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> you can let your guard down a little bit more. People are not going to assault you. People, there's no gun violence. There's almost no burglaries of any kind. So, like, if you're planning on coming to Beijing and you're out at two or three in the morning and you're maybe like, uh, you know, things are not lit up. Don't worry. You're fine. Everything's OK. Just keep walking. There's no one's going to assault you or urge you pretty much yeah, i mean it's, it's in case in case there's a statistical anomaly and you are that 0.01 percent <laughs> then i'm sorry you were probably going to get hit by lightning <laughs> then yeah and then it's not it's not about the place it's just possibilities <laughs> like it's <laughs> 
probabilities in this science and you can't escape from science. So th things you might wish you had known about c coming to China to hang out is that you're going to have a very safe time. People are generally yeah. really cool. And if you need help, you know, yeah. just and walk you... up to any police officer and exactly. they'll just be like, go that way. Or they'll just be like disinterested. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one one uh, interesting thing is if you just walk around the Beijing Beijing streets in the middle of the night, like in uh, 11 p.m. when it's quiet, you might run into Suhak like I did. I'm sorry, who's Suhak? Suhak is one of the super famous uh, Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kongese director. And oh, he's done oh. he's done some movies that are very big in the West. You, wait, you, so you well. ran into a famous director? You want to tell us very. about that? Sorry, but, well, I, I can't even call that running into. He was walking with his friends or four of them. But uh -huh. the street, it was that embassy street that was really, really quiet in Beijing, but it's very beautiful. Um, And he was just walking and I saw his friends in the walking in the front and I looked to the back of the crowd. And I saw this guy. I was like, oh, my God, that is so hot. And I, <laughs> my heart, my heart skipped a beat. And I just watched him go away for like two minutes. So you didn't you didn't run up and ask for it. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to bother. Selfie people. time. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to bother people. I think, but. Yeah, I think for L.A., we started there. That's probably what people are hoping for. It's not. Yeah, happen. no, <laughs> it's too spread out. People It's too spread out. All right. Uh, well, it's always a fantastic and wonderful privilege talking with you, Alex. And I uh, hope that we get the chance to speak again soon. Yes. Uh, same for me, Jason. We'll talk very, very soon. Mm -hmm.